turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4 this evening. Parents and children, we've been studying the book of Ephesians expositionally together on Sunday nights. We've most recently seen how Paul is instructing the body of Christ to live in such a way as to be the body, and in that, live submissively in the order that God has given. We looked at this last time concerning the husband and the wife relationship, and tonight, looking at the parent and child relationship. And you may uh, be thinking uh, as we enter into this, well, I don't have children, I'm not a parent, that's okay, there's uh, if God has you on that pathway toward marriage and children someday, this is something to be learned. Uh, well, um, we are grandparents. We uh, no longer have children in our home, and uh, you're thankful for that. <laughs> um, but you're thankful to have grandkids as well. Well, there's certainly something that can be shared with your children as they are raising and rearing their children. And um, perhaps even just taking that idea and... Um, encouraging, as the church, encouraging parents to be godly parents. We often do parent-child dedications on Sunday mornings, encouraging parents to uh, rear their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and in that moment, we encourage the congregation to, to be a part of that, to encourage um, obedience from children toward their parents and encourage the parents to be biblical in their instruction and discipline of their children. And so there's lots for all of us here. It's um, also just encouraging to know that God addresses this in the Bible, um, that God does not um, uh, leave these very practical matters uh, for us to figure out on our own. In fact, we believe that God created the family. And uh, even just as we think about our own uh, culture and the way that the family is being diminished and destroyed in many ways, we take heart in, and are encouraged by what God tells us about husbands and wives, parents and children, and the body of Christ. So let me just read this uh, for you as you follow along, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and then we'll pray, and then we'll dig into our text together. Ephesians 6 and verse 1, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents said, Amen. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers or parents, really it could be translated, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do recognize tonight that this is your holy, inerrant, inspired word and uh, that this was given to uh, us from you because, Lord, you care about these matters. You are the one who created the family uh, there in the first family in the garden, Adam and Eve, and then subsequently, even after the fall, gave them children. And, uh, Lord, through that promise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we know that A child would come through a woman one day who would be the seed, the one who would crush the serpent's uh, head, though his own heel would be bruised. And we recognize that um, as the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to see very much the gospel-centeredness 
of this tonight. And so help us as we study this together. And I pray for parents tonight, Lord, that they would uh, take this up and, and continue in a godly way of instructing and disciplining their children and that children would listen uh, to these instructions tonight and that they would obey their parents. And Lord, that we as the church would come alongside of families and encourage them and uh, support them in this. And that we would pray for those who desire to have children and are unable to at this moment. And for those who are seeking to adopt, uh, to bring uh, children out of harder situations into a loving home where they can tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and all the ways in which we can think of supporting and encouraging the family. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for grandparents tonight uh, that they would be able to speak into the lives of their children and their children's children. And Lord, we thank you for the heritage of that as well. So help us, Lord, as we study this. Uh, I pray that you would um, get me out of the way so that your name would be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Daily Bread once had this quoted, Every conscientious parent recognizes how difficult it is um, <clears throat> how, uh, to exercise his God-given authority over his children. The delicate balance of being tough Yet tender is not always easy to maintain. Many parents intensify a rebellious spirit by being dictatorial and harsh. Others yield when their authority is tested. When a strong-willed child resists, the pressure to give in for the sake of peace and harmony can become overpowering. Uh, This person is reminded of the mother who wanted to have the last word but couldn't handle the hassle that resulted whenever she said no to her young son. After an especially trying day, she finally flung up her hands and shouted, All right, Billy, do whatever you want. Now let me see you disobey that. It is difficult to be a parent. Um, I think if we were to poll um, our our dear friends here tonight who have uh, grown children and maybe reared their children in the 60s or 70s, Um, we would uh, probably hear the same story as we hear today. It was difficult. And the culture pressing in around and uh, into uh, the life of the family uh, seems to only have increased in its pressure in in recent days. And and yet that would have been thought to be the the most pressure that could have been upon a family in in those days. I was born in the 70s, raised in the 80s, really uh, came into adulthood in the 90s. And so um, even that sort of progression from the 70s into the 90s is is quite drastic. But any of those times, uh, parents felt partic- have always probably felt particularly like this is not an easy task, right? It is a difficult task. And yet we recognize that if God's purposes and His plans are followed, um, there is this order, this orderliness to the family that is um, not going to make things perfect, obviously, but make them um, easier in some ways if we follow these principles. And um, though we cannot, parents, hear me, we cannot dictate the outcome of our children. Uh, We can seek to obey the Lord in these matters. And so the main idea tonight is this. God has an orderly design for parents and children And it is for our good and for His glory. God has an orderly design for parents and children, and it is for our good and His glory. And the guiding principle of this is the same as what we saw regarding the husband and the wife. If you take your Bibles and turn just back over to uh, Ephesians 5, 
in verse 15, really this is set up under the heading of how the church is to interact with one another. How we are to, remember Paul is writing to a local assembly, how they are to live and respond to one another in the church. So chapter 5 verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So what is Paul setting up here? He's setting up wisdom for us. Wisdom in how to be the body of Christ. Wisdom in how that flows into the family, husband and wife and, and parent and child. Making the best of the time because the days are evil. See, even Paul recognizes this as he's getting ready to address these issues of, of the family. This, the, they're evil days, even in Paul's day. Right? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And we saw in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 how that filled with the Spirit can be also paralleled with being enriched with the Word of Christ. So it is the Spirit of God working with the Word of God in our lives and our hearts. So rather than being drunk on wine, be spiritually empowered by the Word of God, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is the is the rubric under which Paul then talks about the husband and wife relationship. And then further, in our study tonight, the parent and child relationship. This is the guiding principle. The Christian family is rooted in walking, worship, and orderly submission. It is rooted in the gospel as we see and as we have seen. So the first um, relationship we want to look at tonight is that of the children in verses 1 through 3. And the parents are like, ha, they get three verses, we only get one, right? (laughs) Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Oh, but you know if you've been a parent for any amount of time, there's so much packed into that verse 4. So children need to respond biblically. Obey and honor your parents and the Lord, for this is right, is what it says. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. The command could not be more forthright and clear. And it is heard round the world in many different languages and many different decibels. <laughs> now, this is the uh, first verse that we taught our children as they were growing up. Uh, Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Notice there are no conditions put upon this. It is simply to obey. Now, certainly, um, we know that there have been, and, uh, and it is unfortunate, and it's sad to think about abusive situations where children have been told to do things that are um, harmful to them. Um, and, and we know the caveat there. It's as, in, as to the Lord, right? It's the things of God. Um, so, so we understand that tonight when we say there's no conditions put upon it other than it is to do it in the Lord, but it is to obey. The original word here has the connotation of doing because of having paid attention to. It is in the present active indicative, which means do it now. Um, and, and that may come off as uh, strict and harsh, but it is the, the bent of it is that children are to obey with an immediacy. Now, we all know we can comply. It's easy for us to fall in line, do what we are told, and to do so with the rottenest attitude we could possibly have, right? So it's not just about doing it. It's not just about compliance. It's about the attitude with which we do it. And uh, 
If you were around our home when our kids were younger, you would hear a phrase like this, possibly. Obey right away with a happy heart. Obey right away with a happy heart. The attitude has so much to do with it as well. And so we're not just instructing our children, we'll see in just a moment, I'll mention this again, to simply obey because I said so. Now there's a certain aspect of that, especially when they are younger, but we do begin to introduce these reasons why. And and again, thinking of things like um, this promise that is given next, because obedience can save your life, right? This, This does come with a promise. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, a long life on earth. And there are various ways of understanding how this applies in the Old Testament promise to our New Testament context, but principally, obedience to authority brings longer life. Um, Isn't it amazing that you can drive through portions of Montana and it says 85 miles per hour? I love that, right? (laughs) They clearly think that I can handle 85 miles per hour in my car, and and I've done it. Um, But, uh, you know, when we think about this idea of a limit, right, a speed limit, um, if, uh, if you ever have a chance to talk to Curtis Laster, um, and talk about civil engineering and just ask him about why are lights set the way they are and the speed limits the way they are. I mean, it is frustrating to drive through the middle of Peoria on I-74 at 55 miles per hour. I will, I'll grant it to you. And if you actually do that, you'll probably get killed. But, um, you know, there is, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for the limit. And, Part of that, as we're talking about speeding and those kind of things, is it protects your life and it protects the life of others. So there is this idea of obedience bringing longer life. Parents, when we teach our children at a young age to obey our voice, we are in some ways literally saving their lives. Um, We would practice with our kids this idea of obedience. Um, we would just have them go to the other side of the room and kind of make a game out of it. Hey, when you hear mom and dad say, come to me, come right away. And it was just lots of fun uh, to teach them to obey immediately. Now, it wasn't so fun when that was in the moment of conflict, but that's why we did it in non-conflict moments as well. Because we wanted them, if we said stop, to stop. Because we could see the danger that they couldn't see. And come here as quickly as you can because it would save their lives. Children, hear me. Learn to obey the voice of your parents. This is where the testing of authority is so crucial in the life of our families. Because sooner or later, it's not mom and dad's voice that they're disobeying. It's the police officer's voice. And then the judge tells them it's going to be 30 days in jail, right? I mean, I'm not trying to be silly with that, but I have in 22 years plus of ministry experienced and seen that in the lives of families. Children, as long as you are under the care of your parents, this remains so. But we do recognize, right, uh, those who have children who are growing up and are growing into young adulthood, that relationship changes with time. But, but the lack, uh, there doesn't ever lack honor. Honor means to attribute a high office, often by action. This again speaks to the issue of the heart. To obey with the wrong kind of attitude is not obedience at all. We need to instruct our children, and, and some, some of you grandchildren on this matter. And honor brings up the issue of giving respect and reverence to the ones whom we are obeying. 
Again, it reflects back to an honoring of the one who places the standard in the first place. So even um, as one who has now lived on my own since I was 18 years old, um, you know, I still want to have a certain amount of honor and respect that I give my parents. Um, I remember a good friend of mine whose wife had left him uh, years ago. Um, in interacting with his adult son, who was just frustrated with some of the choices that his mom was making many, many, many years after the divorce, he called her a very inappropriate name. Um, not a swear word kind of a name, but just a very you know, loose woman kind of a name. And his dad stopped him. And this is a grown adult son in his you know, late 20s, early 30s. And he said, son, don't ever dishonor your mother in that way. Now, it was true that she was a woman who lived a loose lifestyle. But still, my friend said, don't ever dishonor your mother with that kind of a, a label. Um, it's just not proper according to what God says. I just really appreciated that, that he, even though she had hurt him by leaving the family, even though she had, um, had, had a morally errant life, that this friend demanded, commanded that from his son, who was a grown man, don't do that to your mother. Honor her still. Um, that is a heart that desires to see that the person, the imago dei, the image of God, is not slandered in that person. We want to respect and honor Children and teenagers, listen to me. Uh, this is of utmost importance. Uh, follow Christ. Jesus was obedient to his parents as the God-man. If you want to follow Jesus while you are still under your parents' care, the majority of that is found in honoring them and obeying them. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20, which is a parallel to this verse, says, This is what is pleasing to the Lord. This is what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, parents, um, if you haven't started memorizing verses with your kids, or if you have and you haven't done Ephesians 6.1, I would highly encourage you to make Ephesians 6.1 a verse that is memorized. And, and parents, I would encourage you to uh, make obedience a first-time issue. Um, help your children understand that first-time obedience is extremely important because... In the life of Christians, actions precede belief. Actions precede belief. If you are putting in front of your children that obedience is how we honor the Lord, and they're unregenerate in their hearts, right? They're, they're not probably Christians at, at very young ages, but you are showing them the importance of obedience to uh, the Lord, obedience to God. And when it comes time for them to hear the gospel, you will have want to have taught them obedience to the Lord because uh, you are hopefully giving them the gospel. And when, they, when that reality comes crashing in on whatever age that may be, that they are sinners and they need to obey the gospel, they need to turn from their sin and trust in Christ, what a better pathway to have set up for them than to understand that action, obedience, precedes belief. It, those come together in the gospel. It is a gospel matter. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, was born into this world, helpless in his humanity, and obedience was necessary for him to fill all righteousness. Jesus was shown to be the perfect sacrifice through obedience to his heavenly Father and his earthly father and mother. Jesus perfectly obeyed the plan of the Father in his incarnation, and he perfectly obeyed his parents uh, as one who was born under the law. 
And uh, this is a reflection of Deuteronomy 6, is it not? Um, So this road led to the cross where in obedience to the eternal plan of the triune God, he gave himself as a substitute for sinners like you and me. What a beautiful picture we can paint for our children, our grandchildren, as we are maybe uh, teaching Sunday school classes or encouraging families to follow the biblical pattern here to put before them the Lord Jesus Christ and say, see how Jesus obeyed his parents. See how he obeyed the plan that sent him to the cross that makes sinners like you and me uh, reconciled to him. So parents, encourage your children in that children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. And it comes with promise. Well, let's look at that parent relationship. Secondly, tonight, the parents verse uh, chapter six and verse four fathers or parents do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers do not provoke your children. Some translations say exasperate parents. Do not exasperate your children. So there's a call for obedience that parents make. That which is in accord with biblical standards. That which is in accord with biblical standards. Now here's the thing. Um, Families have standards. They do. Families have different standards from family to family. If you are a Christian family, though, the foundational standard is the Scriptures. And we begin there. And we begin with those places that are very black and white in the scriptures about obedience to the Lord, obedience to parents, and what that looks like. And then from there, we have these preferential issues that we as a family decide this is, you know, this is mom and dad leading the family. These are things in which we uh, are uh, going to um, have as a standard for our family. And those very much can be preferential matters. And so in regard to that, parents, I encourage you to pick your battles concerning preferential matters. Everything is not a hill to die on. Some of the matters that we find as important will become passe. Remember, I grew up in the Independent Fundamental Baptist movement. And um, anything that happened before 1950, the 1950s was unbiblical. I mean, literally, that was kind of the standard. It was 1950s, uh, or anything that happened after the 1950s. I said that wrongly. Anything that happened after the 1950s was, you know, the standard was, it had to be like this, right? And, uh, you know, as I started to learn about that growing up, I'm like... Well, hang on a second. Um, that tune that we sing, uh, that hymn to, used to be a bar tune, you know. So at, in, in somebody's generation, that was not a good song tune to sing a hymn to, you know. They used to do chants in, in, in the Middle Ages. And that's why, you know, Martin Luther, when he wrote his first hymn, it was like all over the place. A mighty fortress is our God. Have you ever noticed how the it's up and down and no, oh, it's all over the place because it was different than what they were used to. He was actually rebelling in that. Goodness gracious. Um, uh, he he was a, a protester, was he not? Uh, but the point being that everything is not a hill to die on. And it's funny to me, um, having grown up in fundamentalism, how cultural that was from one place to another. Um, it was very a cultural fundamentalism. Um, so my youth minister professor at Moody, a guy named Bob McRae, he, he was saved into a fundamentalist-type church and they, he, he, was, he was like down in the Miami area when, when he got saved. 
And that fundamentalist church that he was a part of, they allowed guys and girls to swim together and the girls were allowed to wear two-piece bathing suits. And I was like, that blows my fundamentalist mind. Like that just is not allowed in fundamentalism. But it was this, you know, it was from place to place. It was different. So even the standards there are not always the same. Now, I will be quick to say this. Children... Those preferential things, those standards that your parents say, this is what our family does, you need to obey that. And, um, but on the other side of that, parents make clear that these are our family standards. Not every family is going to do it the same way that we do it. And, and therefore, we need to make those standards and expectations absolutely clear. Absolutely clear. That was one of the issues with um, uh, the Pharisees, wasn't it? Was that the, the rules always seem to be changing, especially for they themselves, rather than sticking to certainly the biblical standard. And then as we think about this in regard to families, just making sure that those expectations are super clear. Be consistent and discipline. This will mitigate exasperation. If a child does not know this is what is expected of me, or this is the standard, and they cross that line, and there's then frustration from the parents or discipline from the parents without the known expectation, that can cause exasperation. At an appropriate age, give the reason why. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, Not because I said so alone. That's fine for the younger years. But better than because I said so, you ought to reinforce the biblical mandate. Even if that's the standard at, at the youngest age, you know, where you're saying, you need to obey me. But that's true. But what's the biblical standard? That's Ephesians 6.1, right? You're to obey mom and dad because God says so. Not because I simply say so, but because God says so. Pointing them always back to the truth of God's word Our authority in our lives is the Word of God. That should be the same authority that we're pointing our children back to. Action precedes belief in the younger. And understanding comes with age. Therefore, begin to reason with older children. Um, It's not always bad that they ask the question, why? Give a good, solid, biblical answer to that. Because God deserves our worship because God deserves our glory. How do you do this? How do you begin to, to answer that why question? Well, it's right here in the text. He tells us. Verse 4, parents do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Instead, here carries the idea of an emphatic contrast. Bring them up. Literally, provide food and nourishment for a considerable amount of time. The idea of that is that the parent, instead of provoking, ought to be providing. Providing uh, spiritual food. That instead of focusing on outward conformity, the parent is nourishing the instruction of the heart. Um, is it uh, Paul Tripp or Ted Tripp that has... Uh, instructing the child's heart. What's the name of that book? Shepherding a child's heart. Yeah. So that idea of shepherding the heart, the heart is, uh, Jesus says, is the overflow of life. 
Not just simply saying you need to conform to some external standard. You know, our kids over the years have desired different things that are debatable or preferential. You know, Aubrey just had these pink streaks in her hair. You know, you guys saw it. It was just for how many weeks? Like three weeks, you know, and she's tired of it. She goes back to her natural color. We don't want to make big issues out of those preferential things. Now, maybe it's not your preference. Maybe you think, Jason and Amber, they're off their rocker to let their daughter have pink hair. Okay, but, but and that's okay. That's, that's your family versus our family, and we'll take you on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't mean that versus in that way, but it's just those things. Like, what is the heart? Look, if one of our kids desires something like that, and their heart is a heart of rebellion, and that's just a further expression of that rebellion, no way, Jose, is that happening. <laughs> Uh, that that's just it's the issue of addressing the heart instead of provoking we should be providing food the nourishment of god's word and one of the things that we have lost in the last few generations is the practice of catechism and taking our children through truth biblical truth that's all it is. I mean, I think we kind of get scared of catechesis because we think of Roman Catholicism. Uh, but what, what was even the purpose of that in Roman Catholicism or Lutheranism or even in the old reform practice? It was to instruct the mind of the child. It was to take them through, give them questions and answers that would help them remember the truths of God's word. And yes, absolutely turn to the scriptures and show them where this is found in the scripture and help them understand it and to, to absorb it. Um, this is also present, active, indicative. Now is the time, parents, to do this. Now is the time to, to give instruction and discipline. So yeah, the, the, the parents' further responsibility is to bring them up in a certain way and discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Discipline carries the idea of correcting the course. You rein in with corrective measures. Yes, sometimes that means using the rod of correction However you want to take that. I'll tell you how I take it. Uh, and, and my kids can tell you how we took that. Um, uh, we had a thing called a whacker. Um, it was a flexi ruler. But it doesn't just mean the idea of that kind of punishment and discipline. It means other things as well. We're to course correct. Some, some families are... You know, they, they feel like they shouldn't spank, and I'm not here to say that, that you have to do that. Um, but we have to take some sort of a corrective measure that stings in some way. Um, and I don't mean necessarily physically, but something that, that hurts enough for them to be course-corrected. Instruction, again, carries the idea of training. It literally means to steer in the right direction. So as we think about course-correcting, through some sort of discipline, we also think about steering the mind and course-correcting the mind. We are, uh, we, we're born to this world sinners. Romans chapter 2 very clearly states that the conscience is uh, aware of right and wrong and that that conscience can be manipulated and steered by certain, um, the, the way that it is interacted with. And, and the conscience is our uh, ally when we're instructing our children. Because God, yes, we, we are fallen, we are sinners, we are born, but God still has that capacity within us that says, this is right, this is wrong. And it takes instruction for that to be continued to be nurtured as well. 
instruction, train, steer the mind in the right direction. People say, well, these kids aren't believers. They need to come to know Christ. We need to give them the gospel. Amen and amen and amen. But they need to know the truth. They need to be taught the truth. They're going to be getting lies from the world day after day after day. They need to be taught the truth. This is truth. Same, same friend who I mentioned earlier, um, whose, whose wife had, had left him, reared his children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, recognizing that not all of them necessarily would come to faith in Christ. That was his hope, certainly. But even as, it's interesting to just kind of look over the, the course of his oldest son's life and see there was a time where he wasn't a believer. I, I, he's a believer today. But even still, he made decisions based on the things he was taught in the truth that, that most unbelievers wouldn't even care about. But he decided, you know, this, this is right. This is what's true. He works in media. And uh, he was handed a contract for $50,000 to do a commercial uh, for a certain uh, facial uh, tissue company. And um, it was going to be uh, after the Obergefell decision. It was going to be on homosexuality. And uh, he said, I can't do that. As an unbeliever, he said, I, I can't. He, he lost $50,000 in that, turning that deal down. And, and his boss told him, you're on the wrong side of history. So his reputation was hurt as well in the industry. But he knew what was right in that by being reared rightly. All of this to say that an external conformity is empty without an internal reality. This draws a parallel to the language of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. Keep your finger in Ephesians 6. Make a big left-hand turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Most of you probably could recite this. But let's look at it together. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Here we see an instruction about instruction. Hear, O Israel, the Lord Yahweh our God, the Lord Yahweh is one. You shall love the Lord Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Notice that, that instruction, the day in, day out instruction that is to occur. This is that parallel language of discipline and instruction. This is the ordinary stuff of life. This is when it happens, but it doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? This is when it happens. It's when you're walking along. It's when you rise up. It's when you lie down. This is when it happens, but it doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional. You have to be purposeful in this kind of rearing of your children. We are teaching what we ourselves need to be reminded of. We uh, hear this instruction from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 
It will be a healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Listen, parents, one of the things that we are doing battle with in our own hearts and in the hearts of our children, and, and again, just hear this as to the entire church community as we're thinking about it in regard to ourselves and as we're thinking about it in regard to coming alongside of parents. We struggle with wanting to be wise in our own eyes. We struggle with wanting to lean on our own understanding. One of the things that we're trying to instruct our children out of is that wise in their own eyes tendency. And then Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, later on in the passage says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary by his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. When we were having those... Uh, cherished, sweet moments of discipline when my kids were younger. They, they were not cherished or sweet for them, and not many times for us either. But we would, we would tell them, this is a part of how we are to love you. God says this. It doesn't feel like it right now, but this is a part of the way that we want to show love because the Lord reproves him whom he loves just as the parent does. It's, it's a given in, in, in the mind of Solomon. He's the, the, God is doing this just as a father would do it for his son, the son he loves. It's a given in his mind. Now, let us be careful. Let us be so, so careful. This is not coerced and forced submission through anger through abuse or oppression. This discipline, this steering of the heart, is in line with what the Lord does for us. Does it sometimes hurt? Yes. Many times, even as we're being course-corrected by the Lord, it hurts, doesn't it? With that pain, though, is not anger or abuse or oppression. It is love that steers in the right direction because we love them. This is a gospel matter. The Lord who loves us is the one who died for us in that same love and corrects us because he has loved us in this way. So parents, one of the things that we tried to practice as well and continue to practice to this day, when we're wrong, we ask for forgiveness. When I have wronged my children... I go to them and say, please forgive me for lashing out in anger that was not proper for dad to do. Please forgive me for not fulfilling a promise that I said I would. Repent and ask for forgiveness. Uh, Of course, this comes at a certain age as well where they can understand that. I'm telling you, Dear ones, this is more instructive to them than you can imagine. It will have a greater impact in their life than you can imagine. So, this is what God has for us. Parents, lovingly steer your children. Lovingly bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Be clear, concise about the standards. Make sure it begins with the biblical standard. Give opportunity to explain as they get older. Hold them to biblical standards and and let them know this is just a family preference. 
This is how we're going to do it in our home. It may not be the same for everyone else's home. Be careful not to exasperate. Children, teenagers who are still living under your parents' roof, obey and honor your parents. Grandparents, lovingly steer your children to parenting their children in this way. Hold to the same standards when you have your grandkids as your kids' home, unless it is something against the Lord. And yes, I understand grandparents get to give out candy and cookies and those kinds of things. But whatever category you find yourself in, parent, child, grandparent, those who are members of the church coming alongside of those category of people, know what the Lord has said. Follow that in obedience. There is much joy that can be had in Christian homes if we follow these instructions. Much, much rejoicing. Even when you have to ask for forgiveness or when your kids may have to come to you someday and ask for forgiveness for their sins that they have committed, there will be much, much rejoicing in the reconciliation just as God has reconciled us to himself through his son. That sort of gospel-centeredness in the home is so crucial and so important. And let's not forget that God has indeed put us in this local assembly to encourage each other toward this sort of gospel-centered home life. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for how you have instructed us in your word. You have not left us with questions about how families ought to operate in your truth. You have given us clear instruction. And yet in many ways there is, though the boundaries are drawn, there's an openness to it because each culture is different in the new covenant and many things are different today than they were 50, 60 years ago. Um, Lord, never, never, never to compromise truth. We don't want to do that. Never to compromise the gospel. Uh, But Lord, um, thank you for these instructions. And I pray for parents who are here, for children that are here, for those who are hopeful to be parents. Uh, Lord, for those who are hopeful to be married and, and, and to have children someday. And for those who have the empty nest now. Lord, let us come together as a church family and encourage those families. And even as those who desire to have families are observing and learning so that they too can practice these things one day. Lord, we thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ, his perfect life, death, and resurrection by which we are reconciled to you, our heavenly Father, who does love us perfectly and who has put forward the plan that will bring goodness to us, and the most glory to himself. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, dear ones.